welcome to the Vichara Podcast. My name is Hansa Devi and I am your host. Hi everyone and welcome to the Vichara Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about the sacred, the raw and the real. And today I thought about dropping in uh, on a solo episode and talk about something that is very dear to my heart. And uh, what more appropriate topic could it be than to talk about silence, which is the ultimate teacher of all. And um, I just feel like it's such an important component on this quest in this life that we are in. And I find in a lot of the privates that this is a topic that's coming up a lot about making space for silence and stillness and especially in this crazy loud noisy world that we're living in as of current states um, thinking about the media social media just in our communities there's a lot of opposing forces that are being spoken loudly and Now more than ever, I feel like silence is such an important ingredient to stay in a balanced state of being and um, to really be connected to our core and our inner well-being that's always there. And um, I just feel like we should have a conversation about silence. So with that said, we're going to start by just dropping in for a few moments and enter into silence together. And then we will have a little bit of a I guess monologue, it's not even a conversation in this forum, but I wanted to share my thoughts on silence and why it's so profound and why it's played such an important role in my life. And I can only share from experience, so I wanted to just drop in about that. But before any words are being said, let's just get a taste of silence. So just wherever you're at, drop what you're doing. If it helps you tune into your breath. Allowing your whole being to be immersed in silence and spaciousness for a minute. That's it. So why is silence so important? You may have heard that silence holds all of the teachings and holds all of the answers and that we ourselves carry all the answer we may need. We carry them inside. 
And in order to really tune into these answers or the clarity or our core, our center, our inner, it's usually very helpful to create an atmosphere on the external that can help us tune in. And that's what all of these quote-unquote meditation practices are all about, is to cultivate not just the physical space, but also the mental space and emotional space where you can be held and go into um, this kind of dropping in and letting go of control and dropping the armor and just being who you truly are and dropping into that space where you can fully, fully open up and be totally receptive. It's from this space of silence that word, thought, and action emanates. Anything in creation coming from this space of stillness and silence being an expression of that, a modification of that, carrying the essence of this stillness, clarity, peace, whatever names you want to put on this, the richness, the fullness. Some call it emptiness, some call it fullness, but it holds it all, right? It's something that is the substratum of all of the definitions, the shapes, names, shapes, and forms. And it's into that which everything also dissolves and comes back home to. And so in our busy, busy world, um, it's important to reconnect with this. And so if silence is something that you find yourself kind of resisting, you find yourself getting, letting yourself get distracted a lot, or you consciously distract yourself from being still or in silence, They usually go hand in hand, stillness and silence, at least on the physical and in the external realm, if you want to talk about it like that. First, we have to allow ourselves to be still, to be able to tune into the silence. And the more and more we drop into this space and the more frequent we we do it, it doesn't matter how long, it's about the quality of attention really and how we allow ourselves to drop within it's about how willing we are to let go of that armor or holding control or letting go of our identities and thoughts and concepts just to drop into this vastness of silence and the more we do this type of practice initially it is a practice it may require effort the more we can start to see the stillness and the peace emanate underneath any type of movement, any type of activity. Um, So after a while, we actually don't even have to slow down to be able to connect with that. But I do want to invite you to create some sort of a ritual almost um, so that you can taste this more often in your own life. And As you may have noticed in traditional Vedic um, teachings, most sessions or satsangs usually start and end with a moment of silence. And why is that? Because the silence holds all the answers. It holds everything. It's from which everything arises and falls back into. And that's actually a really big teaching just in and of itself. And in the spaciousness that's created when we allow ourselves to just be as is in silence or stillness, 
we get more perspective. We can start by applying the mind or attention to following the breath. We see patterns of breath. It gives us something to come back to when we find ourselves distracted or when the thoughts roam about, which is totally natural. And then we just come back to the breath. It's a beautiful tool, the breath. And it's a beautiful pointer and teacher in that regard that it actually points us back to the stillness, to that which lies behind the inhale and the exhale, to which they both fall back into. It's this blank page, the vacuum, the void, the fullness, emptiness, whatever you want to call that. It's that space where we are before the inhale takes form and provides sensation and into that which the exhale it falls back into and resides within the formless And why is it important to connect with this? Because we can learn to see the thought patterns, not just the breathing patterns, but thought patterns. We see how our mind wants to react to certain things. We can get, sometimes when we sit long enough, we get an arm's length distance to these reactional patterns and we can actually see that we have a choice And instead, we learn to respond to life by just touching base in the stillness and getting that perspective. The silence can provide clarity because we see the habits of the mind or the patterns of the mind and our reactions and our emotions. And oftentimes we can take a look at the story that we tell ourselves and the beliefs that we hold and that kind of create the fabric of our, the dream of our lives, right? And the story that we tell ourselves and the identities that we create around ourselves. And so we get perspective, we get clarity. And it's when we drop into this spaciousness or stillness, silence, that we can actually be fully, truly receptive. This is when insights and intuition, inspiration, guidance, whatever you want to call that, where it actually has room to reach you, to get to your core, so you can really hear it or really know it. When we're not busying ourselves with the myriad of distractions that are knocking at our door or very tempting to get involved with in our day-to-day life. So on this topic, I'd like you to ask yourself how often you actually do consciously make room for silence. Be it external silence to be able to drop into the internal silence. Or if your practice is such that you You have a regular practice, but do you fully allow yourself to go to the depths? And that regularity can be truly beneficial to kind of um, get the mind on board, to feel that it's not a scary place to go into silence. 
the mind often wants to fill the space. But once you've actually tasted that sweet nectar, that spaciousness, the total acceptance and the, the welcoming of all of your being into this, <sighs> this space where you can fully exhale and be as you are, the mind, after a while, wants to go there. It's like you're falling back into this comfy armchair and you're letting yourself get completely absorbed. And it's something that we don't often allow ourselves to go there. And the reason I want to bring it up is because a lot of people are stuck in their emotions and thoughts right now. There's so much um, pulling back and forth with all of these opposing forces energetically and in, in the physical world that we live in that I find it very important to drop into this space. Giving yourself that gift of clarity and connection, right? We often talk about how nature is one of those sources of connection where we can taste and feel this silence and spaciousness. And if you're truly dropping in when you are out in nature, you realize that there's so much movement going on in nature and there's so many sounds going on which are beautiful and <laughs> are supposed to be there. But I want you to go even deeper, to penetrate into that stillness and silence from which all of this arises. And a mindfulness practice is the beginning steps of tasting all of these things. One of the most profound things um, that I've personally done in my life was um, the Vipassana silent meditation retreats. They're 10 day silent retreats. And I did my first one in 2010. And since then, I've recommended these to a handful of my closest, dearest friends whenever the time has been right in their life to embark on such a journey. And uh, most of them, if not all, have, have done these retreats and have had their own very insightful experiences where they just feel way more connected to who they are and their own deep, deep values and and being, really. And I want to demystify these Vipassana meditation retreats a little bit because I feel like they could be such a valuable tool uh, for a lot of people. So how it's all set up is that it's a 10-day course. You meditate and sit for about 9 to 10 hours a day, which can sound absolutely brutal. And the first few days probably will be quite brutal, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, the body needs to readjust and find its ease in the long sits. Um, you never sit longer than an hour before you get a little break and then you get back to it. And it's a pretty regimented schedule every day, just like in Sazen and the Zen traditions and so forth. Um, there's usually these longer meditation um, retreats i don't even know if that's that's kind of a western word but um longer sittings sits over the course of a few days where you really allow the mind to find its way to this deeper silence and it's quite profound to be honest with you it's going to be very noisy along the way i'm not going to romanticize around these things um, because a lot of things do come up 
a lot of things are brought into the light of your awareness, but that's the whole point. It's so that we can look at these things that we shove under the rug otherwise, and we just kind of busy ourselves in our lives and move on from these experiences or memories or whatever it is that needs processing. When we go into silence, these things sometimes come up. And um, it would be, you know, in our favor if they do so. So it's another thing that we often romanticize this whole spiritual journey, quote unquote. And it's it's not just um, roses and, um, you know, visions of, of beautiful light. It's actually we do some some deeper work. And that's really what allows for uh, inner purification so that we can move forward lighter and more at ease. And so anyways, these retreats um, are 10 days where you don't have to focus on anything but showing up for your meditations. Um, There are servers that uh, work the kitchen, work the center. Um, It's uh, the Vipassana, traditional Vipassana meditation is non-dogmatic, non-religious. It's a donation-based organization that's existing worldwide. And so it doesn't matter how much money we have in the bank, we can all get access to this type of teaching. And I find it really profound to have gone at least once um, to get the techniques and learn the techniques. And then it's something that you can bring with you home. And these techniques have been absolutely priceless, um, at least in my own life. And for those I've, I've conversated with that have done these um, retreats, And so basically the first three days is all about focusing on the breath. Um, The the sits are all around anapana meditation where you follow your in-breath and out-breath. And then through the course of the 10 days, you start applying slightly different techniques of following sensations. And you're watching the ever-changing nature of these sensations. So you basically watch them come and go. And I don't want to butcher the techniques by talking about them, you know, briefly here in a little podcast episode. It's quite profound what these techniques can do for you and how it really shifts your perspective in a fundamental level or in a fundamental way. But to see the ever-changing nature of our thoughts, of our emotions, of sensations is such a liberating tool to have in our toolbox to be able to have that perspective because it becomes ingrained in us that this too shall pass and as hard as it can be to see that our precious life even or the gift of our life or the time with our loved ones it will pass and it's something that's not forever it brings a huge humility into our life and the way we live our life and um, it, it really does affect how we look at life as a gift. And, you know, we, we want to treat it as such with reverence and gratitude. So um, during my first Vipassana retreat, I did that in Sweden. And it was a profound experience. I'm not going to go into too much personal as of what came up and not because I don't want to tell you, but because I don't want to tint or color your own experience. I just want you to know what you're getting yourself into in a sense about the course and such. Um, But what comes up is going to be obviously unique to you. Uh, My first Vipassana retreat was not easy. 
uh, a lot of stuff came up and um, I literally thought I was going to die. I, um, you're not allowed to write during these retreats. You're not allowed to speak. You're not allowed to communicate with other um, practitioners. You're not allowed to have eye contact. You are allowed to speak with the teacher if you um, come during their um, uh, open hours, um, during breaks. They usually see practitioners. If there's something that's come up that you need to discuss with them individually, they are available for that. But what came up for me was so profound. I literally thought I would not survive it. I thought I was dying. And um, this happened on maybe day four. And it lasted for another four days-ish. Um, and I it, it got to the point where I literally wrote my husband, um, then partner, a goodbye letter. And I thought I was not going to wake up the next day. And that continued for... Um, the next four days and so it was really 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 hard but I also let go to the point of being completely detached and that was such a profound and beautiful gift that I would not change it for anything in the world um, the course was such a beautiful holding for these things to come up and during this retreat you're served the most beautiful, delicious, um, vegan food that is just made with so much love and it's just feeding the body on such a level that you literally can, you feel the vitality of the food. It's insane. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, whenever you do go to these retreats, I highly recommend looking into centers that have nature around or like gardens that you can walk in and so forth not necessarily just a parking lot that you can walk around in because you do get a lot of time outdoors or for breaks uh, men and women are separated and you just stay in your zone throughout these 10 days and um i was fortunate enough that the sweden center was uh had some woods uh, on their land that we could walk in and um, it was just beautiful to walk among the trees my second retreat was in New Zealand and during that retreat I felt so incredibly connected to nature it was insane um, it just opened the floodgates of communing with nature spirits for me and um, it was just such an incredible experience. Um, lots to talk about in that regard as well if you're curious, but maybe not everyone is, so I'm not gonna just load you my the personal story here because that's not what this is about, but it truly helps being close to nature. You feel really held, and it's also really amazing once you start tuning into the sensations going on inside of you, and then you um, go out into nature and commune with nature. I would literally like lay outside on the ground um, in pouring rain. Just um, imagine New Zealand with all the lushness and the waterfalls and so forth. There was a little creek. I would lay at its little fall and um, just communing with the trees. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It was just absolutely um, insane where it took me and how I started to open my eyes and my perception, I guess, um, to life inside and outside of the walls of my skin. Um, 
And yeah, that was a pr- another profound experience. For me, that one was a little hard because my husband um, was to fly out to New Zealand after I had already been there for a month. And um, he was to come and serve that particular retreat. So he came halfway through. And so in the very beginning, um, my mind would go to these scenarios of him flying across the ocean and would he get to the center and you know how the mind goes. And so it took a little bit longer for me to settle in. But once I saw him land on his cushion in the meditation hall, I could just be completely relaxed. And um, that's when things started to open up for me. Um, And that was truly beautiful. I can highly recommend the New Zealand Center on the Northern Island of New Zealand. Um, And then the third retreat I actually held for myself because in these um, meditations or in these retreats, um, they're led by Gwenkaji, um, who brought these teachings um, into the world. And so, or not, I shouldn't say into the world, but he made them accessible to the world. Uh, there's a whole backstory on, on how these uh, teachings have traveled across India and Burma and so forth. Um, but not to get into that too much, um, there is evening satsangs or teachings to listen to during the retreat. And um, after you have taken a retreat, you can actually buy the satsangs. And so um, my husband had actually bought all of the CDs to those um, satsangs. When I met him, he had done his first retreat. And so the third um, 10 day silent retreat that I did for myself, I actually set up the full schedule just as it is held at a certain center. And I had the privilege of spending those 10 days down in a yurt in the middle of the Uray Valley here in, um, Ridgeway, Colorado. And my husband, sweet husband, he uh, would come with food every three days and he would, um, put a big box of food or a cooler of food on the deck of the yurt where I was staying. And we had a rule that we were not allowed to communicate, look each other in the eyes and so forth. So I just did my pranams and um, showed my gratitude in my body language. If I was even out on the deck, sometimes he would come when I was in the middle of a meditation and a sit so that I would not have seen him. So I just opened the door after one of those sits and there was food on the deck that I could put in my cooler and um, it would treat me or feed me for the next few days. And so that was such a big blessing that I could just be in my own little bubble. And that was also another really profound 10 days. Things that I did not expect to come up came up and things that needed resolve got resolved. And it was just a beautiful way to connect uh, with the valley where I was at, which is now my home. And, um, it's, it's profound. It's, it, that one was not easy. I cried a lot during the third one and not necessarily in terms of reactive tears or resisting tears, but it was just a lot that needed to come out and be expressed. And once that full expression came out, it just, I just felt more than 10 pounds lighter in terms of what had left me energetically. So that was the third um, retreat that I've done. I've always felt like the 10 days is just such a scratch on the surface. 
I've always been drawn to do 20 or 30 days of silence. And in the lineage of Vipassana meditation, you have to have done five 10-day sits in order to get to do the longer ones at a center where they're catering to feeding you and holding the sessions and so forth. And I would highly recommend do these type of things under their guidance to begin with until you get the hang of how it all uh, flows in terms of one, the techniques, and two, the schedule is extremely supportive. There is a method to the madness in terms of that rigid schedule. Um, and also, you know, not falling back to writing or reading or uh, doing too much of your regular routine in terms of yoga and so forth, but dropping all of that. It's really a lesson in letting go. And I do believe that that is all for a purpose. So with that said, um, I highly recommend those. The time will never feel right to do these things because we have such busy lives. Um, and we tend to find excuses a lot of the time. But what this has also helped me to do is to really one, understand that the value of connecting with this deeper silence that you, you basically get um, by doing these practices. It's almost like you're creating a express route to this deeper inner silence because you're kind of creating new grooves and you're allowing the mind to understand that it's not scary to go there granted a lot of things can come up but it's also you're, you're bringing the mind along the whole journey right so when you're finding resolve in these things and something is let go of even the mind finds a deep exhale and that can relax back into being so it's it's very very valuable and then because my husband and I have been on this path for quite a while and and it's beautiful to share it together we've also made it a vow that we really wanted to continue this type of connection with silence and something that's very hard in our busy world to be able to do. So what we did for, I don't know, six, seven years was that we set certain days to be silent days throughout the week. He had one day, I had another. I think his was Mondays and mine was Thursdays or something like that, where we were rigid on those days being our sacred silent days. And so the other person would answer phone calls or respond to emails or deal with the world and just kind of hold that sacred space and the bubble intact for the other person to be in silence. And that other person maybe wanted to go out into the woods or might just want to, you know, um, sit in silence or work the garden. Or it was a day where we, we allowed ourselves to read, but we also, or write, but we did definitely look at the time that we would do such a thing so it wouldn't be all consuming, that it wouldn't be a distraction away from what the purpose of that deep dive day would be all about. So everything just becomes much more intentional when you allow for these type of things in your everyday week or everyday life. And it became a very integral part of the week. And then obviously we would swap. So this, you know, on say Thursdays, I believe it was Thursdays, <laughs> doesn't matter. But during those days, it would be the opposite so that he would take care of the worldly stuff for me. And I was able to just go inside and um, sometimes I found myself really creative and just being out in the garden and laying in the garden, meditating in the garden and communing with the plants and bringing things in from harvest and cooking a meal. And it was just such a beautiful way to spend a day. 
And so for us, it's, it's been something that's very, very sacred. And I, the reason I'm sharing this is not to say, oh, we did this and this was great and look at us, we can stay 10 days silent. It's not about that. I want to inspire you because if I can do this, you can do this. And I know it's hard to carve out a full day of silence per week. Um, if you can, great. If not, then find, you know, three hour chunks or maybe a one hour chunk. And it's not just a one hour chunk when you go out for a walk with your dog and you're busy in that type of movement. It's where you allow yourself to just be. Do nothing. And once you've cultivated that and you feel like it's easy to drop into that, yeah, you might invite a little bit more movement or activity, but your still main thing is to be with silence and in stillness. And just look at the riches that are there in that moment, in this moment. And again, I just find us being so pushed and pulled around right now that I find that this is the biggest gift you can give yourself. And if you need a meditation practice or chants or something to bring you there as of in the external, um to help you focus inward, so be it. But also don't lean on those crutches for too long. Granted, meditation tools, techniques are great. And um, following your breath is really all that you need. And if this is something you want to chat more about, of course, we will help, you know, share what we know. And um, Yoti and I are going to put on a eight-week immersion where we go into different topics when you start exploring these things there are certain things that come up and we want to go deeper with people like you who want to go deeper and who want to know more and one you know when we hold that sacred container for each other it just you know it gives us permission to um set these boundaries in our day-to-day life and, and honor these things and go into contemplation on certain topics and so forth um but I just wanted to mention that. And so when you hear Antar Mauna, uh, it means inner silence. Um, this is really what we want to create a grow ground for, or not even that. It's creating this safe container for us to be as we are and to get in touch with that. Because often we just start adding layers of a story to try to conceptualize what this is, right? And what we are. And all of the pointers in inquiry um, are literally pointing us to this space where we can be as we are and, and the silence where we're allowed to just rest back into the essence of who we are. And yeah, I don't even know what more words to add to this because it's the more we talk about it, the more we dilute it in a sense. I just hope that you allow yourself to drop into silence more often and create a space of stillness more often. Because it's from this space that we can truly connect when we're shedding all of these layers and veils and cloaks and dresses that we put on ourselves just 
to be who we think that we are supposed to be, right? So when we drop in, we're not just doing ourselves the favor of maybe gaining more clarity or finding more peace and tranquility. This is where I have an opportunity to look at judgments that we hold or the reactivity and, and really cultivating more equanimity. We watch things come and they go, be it sensations or thoughts or beliefs. And from that place of equanimity, really step into something else. And I want you to find that something else. Then this conditioned persona, identity, you know, bundle of conditioning that we're operating from most of the time or within most of the time. So allow yourself to taste this stillness and silence and let that be your guide. Let that be your teacher. Silence have way more to tell you than any other person ever could. So give yourself that gift. Hariyom Tatsat. May all beings everywhere, seen and unseen, be happy and free. Oh.